Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Yeah. Good a good mood today. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad here with you as always on a Wednesday evening. Let's not wait another second. Cue it up. Rhino, let's hear the song. You know, I missed the first National Signing Day, but I did not miss the second one. And then we, and we had some drama. We had some excitement. We had a good old-fashioned get-down-in-the-dirt Mississippi State Ole Miss recruiting battle. And on the end, Mississippi State came out on top. It is National Signing Day Part 2, Part D, whatever you want to call it. And uh, Mississippi State picked up a couple of players today. And, of course, they also made a, a few more of their uh, their late transfers uh, uh, official. We'll go into the transfer portal a little later in the show. Save that music, Rhino. Save that. We'll save it. Rhino down there in Studio X, he makes sure everything's happening. I want to thank you guys for tuning in here on a Wednesday night on National Signing Day. Uh, a lot to talk about today. You know, between recruiting, we got basketball to talk about, and a, a few other things. But state uh, did pick up two more high school signees. I think that brings the total for the class to twenty-seven. Don't forget the if you if you have the NCAA passed a rule this year that allows you to sign more than twenty-five uh, as long as your final scholarship number is eighty-five. So you can sign forty if you want to. You know, go through the pow- the power of processing, or if you have twenty-eight guys hit the portal. I can't imagine. I can't imagine a school having 28 guys hit the portal. Uh, and so Mississippi State with two more signings today. Let's talk about the one that not a lot of drama uh, surrounding him. Will James, a cornerback, Theodore, Alabama, three-star kid, uh, flipped from southern Mississippi, also had offers from Colorado and Indiana. I'll just go ahead and tell you that maybe I'm a, I'm a sucker, but if, if, if Deion Sanders is going to offer a cornerback, that'll catch my eye. I'll, I'll I'll give a little credence to that uh to that evaluation. Um, he was a kid, you know, an, sort of a classic Mississippi State recruit, right? That that you know, under the wire, under the radar kind of guy. But he was the talk, evidently, of the Mississippi Alabama All Star Game. That everybody thought that he played really really well there. And Zach Arnett, uh, you know, talk, said he talked to a ton of coaches and the people in that area, and they all had good things to say about him. Zach Arnett was very passionate today when we talked to him up at the uh, in the Golding Media Room uh, at Davis Wade Stadium, and and was very passionate about recruiting and recruiting the footprint, and that's a, something you've heard before. Uh, and Dan Mullen talked about it quite a bit. About you know you want to be able to recruit Mississippi and then everything within a five-hour drive of Starkville. So into Alabama, most of Alabama, and into Georgia, North you know Tennessee, 
down into Louisiana, down into the Florida panhandle at some points. That's where Mississippi State not only wants to recruit, but to be to recruit well. That's where they're going to get the majority of their players from, and they have. And and Arnett was very passionate about recruiting this state in particular. He talked about Mississippi State having 28 players in the NFL currently. 19 of them are from Mississippi. The four players who are currently in the SEC or in the I'm sorry in the Super Bowl from Mississippi State. Three Mississippi school Mississippi high school kids: Fletcher Cox from Yazoo City, Willie Gay from Starkville, um, Chris Jones from Houston, and then Darius Slay from a Mississippi Junior College and ICC. So. He, he wanted. He, I think he talked about it. You know, he wants every high school player in the state to know that if you want to get to the next level, if you want to play at the highest levels, that you can do that at Mississippi State. That's the message. And you know, he. This state's going to be a battleground in the in the upcoming class in twenty twenty four. There's a lot of high end talent in this state. I don't know that it's as good as that twenty nineteen class was with Nicobe Dean and Charles Cross and. And the guy, some of the guys still playing. Byron Young is still playing in Alabama, I believe. I think he has another year left. Uh, and Jerion Ely was in that class for for Ole Miss. A lot of great players. Nathan Pickering was in that class for Mississippi State. A lot of four star, five star talent. You know, two five stars in the state is, is a rare thing, but you had that. This year is going to be similar to that. There's going, there's a lot of four star talent in the state, and Mississippi and Ole, Mississippi State and Ole Miss are going to have to fight off Alabama and LSU and Auburn and Tennessee for those guys. But they're going to fight amongst themselves for a the lot of those guys. And so you got the first kind of battle today between Arnett and Kiffin for Jonathan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Lawrence County. I think we talked about him a little bit last week. What an interesting recruiting story this was. A player to basically come off of the radar that had no hype whatsoever. Was just going to attend a junior college and then hope to get a, an offer in a couple years. And then the film starts to get out. And all of a sudden now he's got offers from Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Texas. And in the end of the day, Mississippi State won out. And that shouldn't be too surprising. I felt like a lot of the drama surrounding Jonathan Davis was kind of overblown. You know, talking to people at Mississippi State, talking to some some people who cover recruiting, they all told me the same. Excuse me, they all told me the same thing that it's like the, the kid's coming to state. You know, I won the source off with Borky. He still doesn't pay me my five dollars. If you're listening, Michael, Venmo me that five dollars. Brian Dash, hey dad. And uh, he, you know, now Mississippi State's got him. Talking to Zach Arnett about him today, uh, he said that Tony Hughes brought him to his attention in, in mid December. Said, look, we got to go see this kid. And they went to talk to him and, and, you know, they looked at the film and then Mike Leach passed away. And then you have, you know, everything just kind of gets scattered for, for a little bit. But they came back to Davis and stayed in contact with him and then put, made the offer. And now he's a bulldog. Big, I mean, you can't teach 6'5, 305. You know, got the frame. Very raw. People are going to want to make Chris Jones uh, comparisons. Don't. Different kind of player. Chris Jones was you know, a 240, 250 in high school, became a big kid. This kid is much bigger, but I don't know that he has that freak athleticism that Chris Jones has. I don't think that anybody has that right now. Chris Jones, Mississippi State Bulldog, might be the best defensive player in the NFL right now. He's certainly playing like it, and that's a guy who's going to make another $100 million before his career is over. Um, so two more guys 
from the high school ranks, 27 guys total. Depending on what service you look at, Mississippi State between four and seven, I think, four-star players. And then, you know, on the 24-7 scale, a bunch of guys just just barely outside the four-star range. So from a, a, a recruiting ranking standpoint, I think they're 25th in the high school rankings, you know, and then they have the portal rankings separate of that. State's always never going to be high in the portal rankings because they're never going to take a ton of guys in the portal rankings. So I don't I don't get too worked up about that. Um, but from a high school perspective, this is a really solid class. Good DBs, good defensive linemen, couple you know, got some offensive linemen in there, got your quarterback. Obviously, you want to do that in every class. And did a good job of, of filling some needs here and there. You know, and, and we talked we've talked about it before that this is kind of the, the battle for Mississippi State and Ole Miss is state is going the old school route. They're gonna they're going to continue to recruit 25 to 30 high school kids a year, and they're going to continue to use the portal as a way to try to find you know, players to, to fill holes. Ole Miss is going to probably recruit less than that, although Michael Borky said today he expects more. And I, I, don't, I don't think you can avoid that. I mean, Ole Miss signed 11 high school kids. That, I don't think that's sustainable. Yeah, that, that's, not, that's not even bias. That's just you've you got to have depth. You've got to have more guys than that. You can't just go into the portal and get 20 guys every year. I don't think that that's the same. There's not going to be 20 guys that are quality SEC players in the in the portal every season. They're just not. There might be seven or eight guys that you can find, but 20 guys and you're going to. I, I I don't see that. And next year, there's just too much talent in the state to pass up. So first battle between Arnett and Kiffin goes to Arnett. We'll see obviously what the the next couple of years bring us between those two guys. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that the rivalry, which you know had a degree of civility, shall we say, at least amongst the 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 public facing figures of the university, with Leach and, and, and Kiffin, I don't know that we're going to have those same days with Arnett and Kiffin. He, Arnett made a joke today. I asked him about something, and I started off like, you know, if you take everything into account since Thanksgiving, and he was like, you know, I might want to relive Thanksgiving for just a minute. That was a fun night. So just a little, just a little jab. It's okay. It's okay. Have a little fun. Make a joke here and there. It's okay. Don't get too upset. Don't want to hear that. When we come back, let's switch over from high school to the portal. And let's talk about some of these guys Mississippi State is bringing in, specifically one guy in particular, because he's the only guy in his position room uh, right this second. We'll talk about that uh, when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Appreciate you guys tuning in. If you ever missed this podcast or you just can't get enough of it. You can always subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed wherever 
you get podcasts from, or of course, at supertalk.fm, which of course is the place to find all the top breaking news here in the state of Mississippi and a lot of sports coverage. And the best part of that is it doesn't cost you a dime. If you've got internet, you've got Mississippi's best source for news and sports, supertalk.fm. Journey with me now into the recesses of the dark, the cold, the unforgiving transfer portal. I'm going to laugh every time. <laughs> that was a good call, Rhino. That was a good call. It's going to make me laugh every time. Ah, MSU announced eight transfers today. Some of these guys you, you kind of already knew about. They had already been announced back in the spring. Uh, Radar Jones, Kamari, I'm not in the spring, in December. Uh, Radar Jones, Kamari Rogers, uh, and so, well, that was, I guess that was it. There's only two guys in the, uh, in the early signing period. They bring in, uh, two more defensive backs, uh, a kicker, a wide receiver, and then a quarterback, interestingly enough, and then the tight end. We'll, we'll get to all of them. Let's talk about Chris Keyes, uh, cornerback from Indiana University. But a native of Collins, Mississippi. So uh, you know he. It's interesting. The first three guys here on this list: Radar Jones, Kamari Rogers, Chris Keys, all Mississippi kids who are now back in Mississippi. Nicholas Barr Mira, kicker from UCLA. State needed a kicker with Massimo Biscardi uh, heading on, so they'll bring him in. Jacoby Albert is a safety from the University of Kentucky who played a good bit for Kentucky last year. I, or I'm sorry, I did not ask. It was asked of Zach Arnett, you know, four defensive backs in the eight transfers, but he, he made the point. He's like, they lost a ton back there. Jay, not, not just Emmanuel Forbes, but Jalen Green, Jackie Matthews, and Colin Duncan. I mean, that's a lot of snaps. So they needed some guys who would, to, to fill in those roles, and they needed a guy like Jacoby Albert with experience. Freddie Roberson is probably the second most likely to make a huge impact guy, the wide receiver out of Eastern Washington. We talked earlier today, or I talked earlier today uh, with Chad Bumpus, Mississippi State wide receivers coach, and he said, you know, obviously he put up a ton of numbers at, at Eastern Washington, but he said some of his best games were against the Power Five teams that they played, including the University of Florida. He said he he's a guy who looked like he belonged on the field with Power Five opponents. So, you know, State is going it has a need for an outside receiver because I am just stuck on the belief that Tulu Griffin will move into the slot. And so, you know, you have Justin Robinson there, and you need somebody to replace Ra Ra Thomas. And that, I think that's what Ro- Roberson's going to get the option to do. Mike Wright, the quarterback from Vanderbilt. I know early on he was linked a good bit with Ole Miss and actually visited there. But he is uh, committed and signed with Mississippi State and a, a guy that, if nothing else with Mike Wright, he provides a skill set that Will Rogers does not have. He is a mobile guy. He can run. So I expect there to be, at the very minimum, some packages and play calling drawn up specifically for Mike Wright. But at the end of the day, you needed a, a third scholarship quarterback. You didn't want to just have Will and the freshman Chris Parson. And you you got some competition for Will. Do I think Mike Wright will beat out Will Rogers? No. But it that never hurts to have the competition there. And so Mississippi State has that now. And then there's the name that we're all kind of waiting on, and that's Ryland Goaty, the tight end from the University of Georgia. As it stands right now, the only tight end on the roster. The bad news with that is he will not be here in the spring. He is uh, still finishing up classes at the University of Georgia, and he will graduate from there and then head to uh, 
Mississippi State, along with his fiance Alicia Fortin, who will be playing for the Mississippi State volleyball team uh, next year. So that's a cool little uh, little story there. Also, Ryland Gody, a noted podcaster, so I'm going to have to like explain to him, you know, what the levels are here at Mississippi State. There, there's there's thunder and lightning, and then there's everybody else, and you guys got to know that. So I talked today with Mike Schmidt, not the Phillies' third baseman, the uh, Mississippi State offensive tackles slash tight ends coach slash run game coordinator, and you know, asked him about that, and you know, and he he he, he said that. Obviously, with Goaty, you you get a guy who hasn't had the production yet, but he's been behind two all-stars at Georgia, and he's battled some injuries. They feel like he's a very complete player, and he'll be a guy who can come in right away. Uh, And my guess is he'll be the starting tight end. And then, you know, in other conversations, you, you get some names being dropped of players who could possibly make a move to tight end this this spring. State just needs some bodies there. And I'll be honest with you, and I I talked about this on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning, I'm kind of surprised that State didn't go after a high school tight end today. And and the the point I made and Robbie Falk made was that in the old days, if this had been the only signing day, State would have been able to probably get a top 10 rated tight end. Because you could have told them, hey, day one, you're the guy. You're going to be playing a ton. Been an easy sell for those guys. Uh, But as it is, you don't have that that luxury. So the first name that's been brought up a lot is Antonio Harmon, the wide receiver out of uh, Kosciuszko. Big receiver, six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. Six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds. So you think, okay, probably be easy to put fifteen twenty pounds on him and move him to tight end. There's some differences between wide receiver and 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 tight end, and we've talked about that. There's a difference between blocking a defensive end and blocking a cornerback. But the frame is there, and certainly the pass-catching skills and the, and the ability to be a playmaker would be there. So that's one. The other name that I heard today was Jacarius Clayton. Jacarius Clayton is a uh, player out of Tupelo, Mississippi, who was recruited by Mississippi State um, as a defensive lineman. Um, but what's interesting about him, and you know, he's listed at six foot five, six foot six. I'm sorry, six six and a half. 275. And, and the, you know, the, the thought process was, all right, he'll get to Mississippi State. He'll put on 40 pounds and be 315 and be a dominant defensive lineman. Well, he's sort of kept that weight that he was at. So maybe now it becomes, all right, let's shave off 15 pounds. Can we do that? This is a kid who was a high school his first couple years in, in college, or in high school at Tupelo. He was a, a tight end. And I remember when he committed to Mississippi State, he committed as a freshman. And he was listed as a tight end at like six foot five and two hundred and forty pounds, and I'm just thinking, good lord, this kid's going to grow up to be a monster. And he did, but now they're going to push him back at tight end and just sort of see where it goes. And I think this could be just a, a semester thing. They'll let him. They'll let him see how it goes. If it works out at tight end, great. If not, when you get some more depth in through the transfer portal, and the transfer portal opens back up on May first, and there will be options there. Then you can put him back a defensive tackle. I don't think it's going to stunt his growth too much as a player to do the spring at tight end. The other name that's interesting to me, and this is a kid who you know I don't believe is an early enrollee for Mississippi State. Let me double check that. But the name is Malik Ellis, and Malik Ellis is—I'm sorry—he is a, an early enrollee, so that's good. He would have the spring. So Malik Ellis is the tackle out of Laurel, Mississippi, and he had some similarities in terms of frame to Charles Cross. Charles Cross, if you remember in high school, tall but lean, 
He was by 250, 260 at one point. Got to Mississippi State. Obviously, he bulked up and turned into a, a top 10 draft choice. Malik Ellis, six foot five, two forty five. Again, lean. And I think honestly, with Malik Ellis, if he was already 280, 290 pounds, he might have been a higher rated recruit. He might have been a four star kid. But now they're talking about possibly making a move to tight end and, and not having to worry about putting on the weight. And that would be interesting because you don't have anything to do there. He's coming in. This will be his first semester. There's no, you know, there's no work with him on on the tight end spot. And the, and the interesting thing for me with Malik Ellis is his coach Schmidt is the offensive tackles and tight ends coach, so he can get a look at both, I guess, and sort of see where it goes. So this is what State's going to do to just try to get through the spring with no tight ends. They need some guys in there to do that. Jason asked, if we have a big wide receiver or a fast defensive end? There's defensive ends. They don't really have a guy there, but the the big wide receiver Antonio Harmon is definitely going to get a look at tight end in this upcoming uh, thing. And then, like I said, when we get to the fall, Ryland Goody will be good to go, and I think he'll be fine. You know, some people are like, "Oh, he's going to be out for all this time." This guy's been playing at Georgia for the last three years. Like, he'll stay in shape and be ready to go. So, eight transfers, twenty-seven high school players. That's Mississippi State's class of twenty twenty-three. Top to bottom, it's a very typical Mississippi State class. It finishes ranked 25th overall. You got your, your 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 high-end guys, Smith, Whitmore, Parson, and then you've got a bunch of three-star guys, some of which are pretty close to being four stars, and you feel like they're going to be good. And some guys are developmental guys. But if there's anything we know about Mississippi State through the years is they've thrived with developmental guys. They've found developmental guys and turned them into stars. Most of the guys in the NFL that we're talking about, Darius Slay was not a star coming out of high school. Dak Prescott, not a star coming out of high school. Elton Jenkins, Preston Smith. Yeah, you had guys like Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox, but State's also done a great job through the years. And and just turning guys into good college football players, not necessarily great pros. The Mississippi State way it has been for a while. Big win for basketball and a big game this weekend. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. You called down the thunder, well now you got it. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad, Rhino down there in Studio X. He makes everything run Oh, so smooth for us. It ran smooth for smooth for Mississippi State uh, Tuesday night in Columbia, South Carolina, a game that State had to win, not in terms of tournaments or anything like that. Just you can't lose to a team whose net is uh, 270 plus, now down to 282, and want to have any kind of postseason hopes. And so State didn't do that, and they led by as many as 20. They end up winning by. Uh, by 15 points, uh, dominated the paint against South Carolina. Final score 66-51. If I did the math right on State, 
inside the three-point line, they shot almost 60%. Uh, They really have done a a good job of being able to find open looks, good looks at the basket inside. Now, they're still not a great three-point shooting team. Better on the free-throw line last night, 75%. I think they were 9 of 12. They're getting better. You know, and I really do feel like that every game since the Georgia game, the Georgia games is the one game that you can circle and say that was a bad loss. That is a game Mississippi State had no business losing, and they went over to Georgia and shot so poorly on the free throw line that they, they didn't have a chance to win. The Auburn game, they had a chance to win. They just had a historically bad night on the three-point line. You know, Three of 18 is a terrible night shooting the basketball from the three-point line. But if State had done that, they would have beaten Auburn. They played better against Tennessee. They improved their performance from what happened in Knoxville to what happened in Starkville. They were in that game until the closing moments. Florida, they played really. They played maybe their worst half of basketball in the, in the first half. The second half, they played much better, but they dug themselves too deep a hole. Then they went to Alabama, and they played a great game and just came up short against one of the nation's best teams. But their shooting was better. Defensively, they were still very, very good. And I think they took a lot from that game. I think that game showed Mississippi State, we can hang with the good teams. We're a better team than our record says we are. And I I am a big believer in the Parcells, you are what your record says you are. But I'm also a big believer in that you got to watch the games and see what's happening. And you see State losing you know, to Alabama, top five team, twice. Tennessee, top 10 team, losing them twice. Auburn, top 20 team, lost them twice, or lost them once. Like I said, the Georgia game is the only one. You can say Florida, but, I mean, Florida is a decent enough team that them winning and Starkville is not a huge surprise. And then they get the win over TCU, which they just they desperately needed. Because when you're playing better, eventually that's got to translate into a win or you just kind of give up. And I don't think State was close to giving up, but at the same time, it would have hurt to have lost that TCU game, especially with some of the advantages you had. TCU's leading, TCU's leading rebounder was out for the whole game, and their leading scorer went down with an injury early in the game. And even with that, State had to battle into overtime, and get, but they got the win. And then they played like... You know, one of the things I always say on the podcast, and I don't know that I've said it here, but I'll say it. One thing I believe is, if you have a good team playing a bad team, you, you can only play who you're scheduled. You should blow them out. And if you do, you're not you're not worried. It's when you have close games with bad teams, you're like, what's going on? State was close in the first half. State pulled away in the second half. They were never I don't think I, I don't think past the uh, the opening tip of the second half, TCU was ever any closer than nine. Our TCU, South Carolina was only closer than nine. They had to make a couple of ridiculous off-balance. If you watched that game last night, you know the shots I'm talking about. We're talking about 30, 35-footers with the shot clock winding down to even get to within nine. But State dominated the game. They dominated the paint. They forced turnovers. They got, they've got they got buckets in transition. They shot the free throws well. It was a com- very complete performance. State's a better team than South Carolina. They blew them out, as they should. And so now we're playing the uh, – we're, we're looking at stuff. We're looking at analytics here in the the beginning of February. Been a while, right? Ken Palm, which is a, a an analytical model, predicts State seven and two in the final nine games. I'm going to go ahead and preface everything with I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. 
but he has State winning all the games except at Missouri and at Arkansas. That would give State a quad two win this Saturday against Missouri, a quad two win against Kentucky at home, and then I believe another quad two win, yes, with uh, Texas A&M in Starkville. That would mean they would beat Missouri, LSU, Kentucky, at Ole Miss, uh, Texas A&M, South Carolina, and then at Vanderbilt. That team would fi- if, if, if that analytic were to hold, State would finish twenty-one and ten, nine and nine in the conference. Their net, which is currently at fifty, would probably be around between I would say thirty-nine and forty-three. You're in. You're in if that happens. No questions asked. No 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 doubt about it. You're in at twenty-one and ten, nine and nine, and an RPI in the low the high thirties, low forties. So you're just in. Now I don't know that that's going to happen. I will say this: like the most light, the, the game that stood out to me is Kentucky. But then again, and I talked to some friends at lunch who you know on the MSU beat, and they said Kentucky's just not very good. Kentucky went to Ole Miss last night, and in front of nobody, with Ole Miss missing their best two players, they only won by nine, and they were tied at the half. Kentucky hasn't really played well all year. They lost to South Carolina. They're the only win for South Carolina in conference play. So Kentucky's gettable at home, for sure. Maybe I'm just an old guy, and I, I see Kentucky, and I just think, you know, of all the heartbreak that has surrounded that series. State, like I said, currently in net, they're 50. It's kind of a, an ironic twist there. They dropped Utah out of the top 50, which means Utah is no longer a quad one win for Mississippi State. It's now a quad two win. But quad one, quad two, I mean, if State can win those games... They're going to be in the NCAA tournament at eight and ten. Let's say they let's say they do lose. To, let's just say Kentucky, because there's only some games they, they can't lose to LSU. That's a quad three loss. They can't lose to Ole Miss quad three. They can't lose to South Carolina. They, they really don't need to do that. And I could be wrong, but I think maybe Vanderbilt would be because that game's at home. That might be a quad four game as well. So you can't lose those games. You got you got to definitely beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Then you have the toss-up games, which I would say are Missouri, Kentucky, and um, Texas A&M. This analytic has State winning all three. The Missouri game at home. And then you lose at Arkansas and at Missouri, and you can you can survive those losses. But having saying those three toss-up games, saying State's going to go 3-0 in them is, is a bold prediction. And I understand it's not really a prediction. It's an analytics. It's, it's you know, it's you just plug the numbers in and the results come out. It's not a person who's doing the eye test. I'm the one doing the eye test here, and I'm telling you that seems unlikely. So at eight and ten, let's say states eight and ten and twenty one and twenty and eleven, they probably need to go to the SEC tournament and grab a win, maybe two, and then they would be in. So there's a lot of options for state, but it starts with they got to start piling up some wins. What you want if you're a Mississippi State is to beat Missouri on Saturday, beat LSU next week on Wednesday. And then when you travel to Fayetteville, you're 16 and 8. Your net at that point is probably 45, 46. And you're looking at Arkansas, you're thinking if they can win that game, they would probably be at like 38, 39, and 17 and 8. And you're in great shape. That's going to be a tough game. As Richard Cross told us earlier, that's a 5 o'clock tip at Bud Walton. 
we all know what Bud Walton Arena is and what it's been in the past for Mississippi State teams. The place I think the state's only won like twice, if I'm correct. So Jason says, I cannot overstate how far my uh, whatever extended after the TCU game, but even more so last night to all the state fans on Twitter texting y'all last week about whining about Jans losing the close game to Alabama. I try to, I, you know, and uh, this is me again. This is me, Mister Negative. Uh, but I, I took a lot of positives away from that Alabama game because I honestly thought they were going to go over there and lose the way our, the way Vanderbilt lost last night. If you didn't see that, don't let your kids watch that game. It's not safe for work. Vanderbilt lost by fifty. Fifty. Quote Houston Nut. I thought that game was going to go that way, and State went over there and led most of the game, and it just got away from them. They shot the ball well. They played good defense. That's the key for State. And we've been saying it all year, right? They just got to shoot better. They shot 47% against uh, Alabama. They shot 50, uh, 50% against TCU. They shot 53% last night. And like I said, inside the arc, they were closer to 60%. That's getting it done. That will win you ball games. That's how, you know, that's going to be a winning formula, especially when you play defense the way Mississippi State has played defense this season. And we'll see if it continues. They've got, that, that's the main key for Mississippi State too. They, the defense cannot cannot take a, a drop. It, they they have to keep that because that, that's what spurs the offense. That's what gets states more state more opportunities. You know, and and last night they were really good in transition, which they have not been this year. But that's what they need to continue doing if they want to if they want to get if they want to make this. Improbable dream, which I would have said it was improbable in November. I thought it was improbable a couple weeks ago, but now, after the couple of wins in a row, we'll see if they can continue the momentum and maybe make it interesting for us here as we get through February and into March. We'll wrap it up when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. One last go here on Thunder and Lightning Live. Hey, Rhino. Uh, we had a question on Wednesday. We do a, a mailbag podcast every week, and it was on Wednesday. And uh, somebody asked about that song. Is that available on Spotify or, or any music service, or they got to go to YouTube for that, or what? I believe that is a YouTube exclusive. I have never heard it on Spotify in all of my listening. Okay. I mean, if you just search for like Hail State guitar, you'll probably find it, right? Yeah, the artist's name, as far as I know, is uh, one Reggie Thomas. So uh, that might help okay. you when you're Googling or YouTube so. searching. All right, so there we go. We're bringing the podcast here to the show. We're, we're helping people out. We're a service. Good job. Thank you. Uh, so Mississippi State, Saturday, 5 o'clock tip at the Humphrey Coliseum against Missouri. Quad two win opportunity for the Bulldogs. Quad one win opportunity for the Tigers, assuming State doesn't fall out of the top 50 
between now and Saturday, which is possible. Everything's fluid, and if somebody gets a win, they could move up. You know, uh, Utah will play a game. They're 51. If they win, they could they can move ahead of state. This is one of the biggest games in Mississippi State's recent basketball history. I don't recall a much bigger one, to be honest with you. And I've been surprised and, and you know, been pretty, you know, if I don't think pleased is the right word, but but with the crowds thus far. I thought, I mean, last week with TCU, I thought going into the, to the hump, I was like, I don't know about that many people. And then when I got there, there was a line around the building of students waiting to get in. And I thought it was a, I think they announced 8,600, and I don't think it was too far off of that. And, you know, I was thinking about years past, and, you know, that team had lost eight of nine games, and gosh, Last season, if that team had lost eight of nine games, there might have been fifteen hundred people in the in, in the hump. Might have been, maybe, at best. So, state fans have bought into Chris Jans for the most part. I know there's some loud folks on message boards and and social media, but and in my one of my group texts, to be totally honest with you. Um, but for the most part, Mississippi State fans have bought into Chris Jans, and I think part of that is because of the way his teams play. It's very attractive to Mississippi State to play a blue collar, get your get your hands dirty kind of. You know, we're grinders out here, right? That's, that's just what we are. So there's that, and then you know, they've just been better. They, they, even though the the shots haven't been falling, they're just they're just more fun to watch. I, I it's hard to believe. I'm telling you about talking about a team that averages like 63 points a game and has been so bad at shooting the ball is more fun to watch. But the way they play defense is just fun to watch. They really get after it, and they're well coached. That's that's a that's a huge part of it. It's it's not just you know passing the ball around the perimeter for thirty seconds and hoisting up a three. They get good looks. The problem is until the past three four games they haven't been hitting those looks. Now they're hitting them and you see what's happening. The way state plays defense, if they get to sixty five points, <coughs> excuse me, if they can get to sixty five points, they're gonna win more often than not. That's just just the nature of how they play defense and the way that things are going. So this is a massive game. The five o'clock tip is great for attendance. It means you you know wherever you live in the state, you don't have to leave super early in the morning, and you don't have to worry about getting home too late at night unless you know if you live on the coast or something. But if you live in Jackson or you know just south of there, if you're in the Pine Belt or whatever, you can head to Starkville and and be home. You know you're not going to be dragging at church on Sunday morning from that. So big game. I'm interested to see what 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 happens with Mississippi State and Missouri, because if State can win that game, they'll have enough momentum. I think that you know LSU's not been good this year. You can beat them. Then you go to Arkansas on the back of a four-game winning streak. Yeah, you feel you feel pretty good. Feel pretty good about that. It'd be a big game. Uh, but it's good to be able. To, if nothing else, guys, it is great to be able to talk Mississippi State basketball with you and not have to talk about how awful it is at this time of year. The past two three years have been been tough. It's been tough, and I like basketball. I, you know, I, I was in school during the Final Four year, so I always enjoyed that. I do miss the uh, the media seating down there on the front row of the, of the hump. That was that was some of the best seats in the house in any college uh, arena for for media, and I mean, you felt like you're really part of the action. Now we're up in the uh, the 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 upper concourse, but it is what it is. I understand. You got to get that money. You got to get that money and get those seats sold, which I assume will be happening uh, in the next year or so. They, if they haven't put anybody down there paying customers by like the end of next season, I'm gonna say something like, "It's time to bring us back." I want, I want my I want my courtside seat again. Don't I deserve that? Just a little something. I don't know. I don't know if I do or not. Thank you guys for uh, for tuning in to another uh, edition of Thunder and Lightning. I do appreciate that. As always, if you missed the show, 
You can get it on the Super Talk. I'm sorry, uh, the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. It goes up literally seconds, maybe minutes after I finish up here. Uh, and of course, wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, wherever. We're always available there, as is the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast, Rebel Report, the Eagle Hour, whatever team you cheer for, we got you covered here at Super Talk Mississippi, and of course at supertalk.fm. Thanks, as always, to you guys for tuning in. Thanks, as always, to Rhino for making it work for me. Appreciate him. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, Sports Talk Mississippi, and of course, Thunder and Lightning podcast will be on your mobile devices tomorrow morning when you get going. Have a great night. Talk to you again next week. Mississippi Media Production.